Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Good morning. My name is Greg Hartnett, and if I haven't met you yet, I'm, I'm on staff here at the church as a pastor in training, and also right now as our interim pastor of discipleship. I also get the opportunity to serve in here pretty regularly, and I get to stand usually right around here and play the guitar, and so it's, it's really a privilege to be in that space. I've been playing the guitar and, and, and involved with music and worship for a long time, for most of my life, and yet I, I never really wrote very many songs. I never really got into songwriting. The best that I've done is I have rewritten Don McLean's American Pie about seven different times for class projects. Okay, the, the latest rendition in college was about the ANZUS Treaty, um, and that's a, a pact between uh, Australia, New Zealand, and the United States from 1951 that concerns Pacific military uh, endeavors, and so um, it's, really, it's really a catchy song. So if you hear that on the radio, <laughs> you're going to want to make sure you listen to that. Uh, other than that, I've really never thought of myself as being that creative, Okay, I forgot the password to my Pinterest account about five years ago, and I haven't clicked that forgot password button. It's just, it's just not who I am. And so maybe today you're, you're like me. Maybe you're, you don't think you're that creative either. Maybe there's not really any reason to create. Maybe you're like, that's, that's really great for some people with that artistic, artistic gift, but I don't have time for that, and that's, that's not me. Or maybe you're like the gentleman that I spoke to this week about City Surf. I was asking him about serving, and, and he said, my friends and I can't get involved. We really can't do much of anything. We're all in our 80s. And he truly felt like he had nothing to contribute, that he couldn't do anything, that he couldn't bring anything of value to our church, to our city through that effort. And that's actually a form of poverty. It's a sense that you have nothing to contribute to your community. As many of you know, we're in a series right now called Humanize Me, And we've been talking about the ways in which God makes us more human. It's Jesus who is able to restore us to human flourishing, to the type of existence that we were designed to have. And along the way, we're identifying various poverties that plague humanity. There's poverty of food. Last week we talked about poverty of health. And we're going to be talking about poverty of community. And this morning we're coming to a a very interesting one. It's the poverty of creativity. That's right, you heard me right, poverty of creativity. You know, one of the most consistent things that we learn about God from the scriptures is that God is maker. God is a creator. We see this at the very beginning of scripture. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This language is all throughout the Psalms. Here's just two examples. Psalm 100, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Or Psalm 146, he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. He remains faithful forever. And this theme runs all the way through to the last book of the Bible, Revelation 4. Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. And then there's the image from our passage today. We're going to turn to Jeremiah 18. One through six. Hear these words. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. 
So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. When the word of the Lord came to me, then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Jeremiah was a prophet in Jerusalem during the final decades before the Babylonian exile. God called him to warn the people of coming judgment, of the coming invasion by Babylon. And the hope was that Israel would turn from their evil ways. They would turn from their evil practices and turn back to the Lord. But, but this didn't actually happen. In the verses that come after the section that we just read, God calls the people to repent so that they will not need to be pressed down like that clay, to be reformed. God uses the potter imagery to remind the people that they are not invulnerable. They're not out of God's reach. And I'm not much of an artist, but I understand that when you're working with wood, when you're working with stone, even with clay, sometimes that material can kind of take on a mind of its own. And so an artist then is required to be flexible, to adapt, to reshape what the plan was, to accommodate the character of the material. And this is what God does with his people. When Israel gets out of control, God continues to stay true to his promises to them. But he's forced to rework the plans that he had. This is how Israel ends up in exile. And yet they're not abandoned. God continues to work them, mold them, form them for his purposes, just as a potter continues to reshape the same bit of clay until it is just right. God is the maker. God is the one who has created the heavens and the earth and ultimately the one who has dominion over all things. And as Psalm 100 said, the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us. God made us. And the good news of the gospel is that when we fell away from God, when we turned our back on God as a species, God did not abandon us. He sent his son to save us. But, but that rescue mission didn't involve yanking us out of a corrupted world. It actually involved more creating, more making, more forming. 2 Corinthians 5 says, If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. That everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. The work of Christ is to make us into a new creation. We often reference this verse when we do a formal prayer of confession in worship. And we remind ourselves that life in Christ involves a newness that we are unable to achieve on our own. That same passage goes on to say that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul and Timothy, who are writing that letter, have become ambassadors for Christ. They're champions of new creation, and they're encouraging the church that they're writing to to join in this new creation work as well. You see, God didn't create us to be clay vessels, to be clay pots, to hold water. He, he made us to be so much more. We were created to be image bearers. We were created in the image of God. We're actually going to be working on our Latin this morning, and so this image of God in Latin is the imago Dei, and so I'm going to have you say that with me, okay? One, two, three, imago Dei. Wow, you guys are really good. That's really good. 
Christian thinkers throughout the centuries have talked about this concept, this idea of the image of God, and, and they, they have really kind of picked at it and tried to understand what this means. Some have said that this image refers to our ability to use reason, to appeal to logic. Others have said that this image means that, that we're like the Trinity in that we, we have relationship, we're relational beings. Others have said that, th- that this means that we can have dominion over, we can rule over and, and be stewards of creation. And, and today we're going to be focusing on how the image of God, the one who is the maker, the God who is the creator, means that somehow we are also meant to make and to create. Andy Crouch, author who spoke at our Christian Life Conference a few years ago, he has got a ton of great thoughts on this, and I'm going to be drawing heavily from him this morning, so that's my little footnote there, Um, and and his work on culture making. So if you want to dig deeper, he's a great resource. So we go back to the beginning of Scripture, to Genesis 1. Verse 27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful. Increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. He says, it goes on to say, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In theological terms, these verses here are called the cultural mandate. God creates the heavens, the earth, and all the creatures, and then he does something really special. He makes creatures who are unlike anything else that he's created in that they bear God's image. He tells the man and the woman to go out, to be image bearers throughout the earth. Go out and make culture, rule over other creatures, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with other image bearers. Use the things that you have been entrusted with. And then once God has created these image bearers and tasked them with engaging with the world in this unique way, he saw everything that he had made and it was very good. On the other five days of creation in that Genesis chapter, Think God saw what he had made and it was good. But, but then again, after the image bearers were put into place and tasked with the responsibility of interacting with creation, with making things and ruling over things, the, this becomes very good in some way. And so let's think about examples of this, okay? God created grain. And there it was. It was billowing in the field. And grain is a beautiful part of the crea- created order. But then he released humans. And humans came and, and gathered the grain and, and cultured it. They processed it. They added things to it. And they made bread. And bread is very good. Especially if you're at Texas Roadhouse and you have that cinnamon butter. It's just so good. Okay? And, then, and God made grapes. And then humans came and they, they gathered the grapes. They crushed them down. They cultured them. They processed them. And it became wine. Again, very good. And then there's sound, okay? There are lots of sounds in nature. And the human voice can make a lot of sounds, okay? Ready? Uh, 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 okay? My, my, my four-month-old son right now, and, and also for some strange reason, my two-year-old son is experimenting with all of these noises. And we thought we were past that stage, but apparently not. And then there's sound that is on a whole other level, Okay? Humans take these noises that are found in nature. They take these noises that the voice can make and they turn them into something very good. These are the sorts of things that we're called to as image bearers. We're called to make take the materials that God has given us and make something very good. 
And so let's get back to the illustration that we have in our Jeremiah passage. There we see God working as a potter. And a potter, again, is one who forms clay. He takes stuff that comes up out of the ground and then turns it into either functional pieces or beautiful works of art. But the potter doesn't create the clay. He's taking a known material. He might add to it. He might mix it. But, but it's a known thing. And again, you see that God is the only one who speaks something into being out of nothing. And so our second Latin phrase of the day is ex nihilo. Okay, so let's try that together. One, two, three, ex nihilo. Okay, we are just classing up the joint this morning. This is really great. So that means out of nothing. God creates ex nihilo, but we're not expected to. Okay, we reflect God as the potter when we use the raw materials that he has given us to turn them into things that are very good. And let let this be an encouragement. Okay, we are called to steward, to form, to shape, to rule over, to arrange, to make, and create with the materials that God has given us. And this should be easy, right? Well, in reality, there's a lot of things that actually get in our way. There's things that stifle or negate our creativity. Sometimes this is a, a fear of judgment. Okay, I'd mentioned that I, I, I don't write music. Once upon a time, I tried. When I was in junior high, I actually tried to write a few songs, and then uh, I brought them to my friends. I brought songs that I had written to other junior high boys <laughs> and said, hey, here's something I made. And they made fun of me because they're junior high boys. And the songs weren't very good. I knew that. Okay, I was just learning. But, but hearing them confirm that, tell me that, was, uh, was, was enough to make me not try to do that again. So I never, never worked on that craft, never grew that skill. Or sometimes it's fear of failure that we're hindered by. I was on staff at a church in Spokane, Washington before we moved back here. And, and while I was there, I was tasked with starting a college ministry, creating something. And so I read, I researched, I prayed, I talked to college directors around the country. I met with students and planned and dreamed. And then it came time to actually launch the ministry. And I was terrified. I thought, okay, what if this fails? What if this falls flat? What if, what if I get fired because of this? I mean, they, they tasked me with this. I, I don't know. And it was enough to make me want to stop and just spend a whole other school year kind of preparing or, or planning. But I didn't. And it was only because other people encouraged me. And, and again, I really, really was scared of that. It was almost enough to make me not create that. And then other times we're just lazy. It really is easier to be a consumer than something that's creating and, and to be creating things. And in fact, our society teaches us to be consumers teaches us to be consumers of products, consumers of services, consumers of experiences even. And we're told that being a consumer is actually what it means to be human. There's a Pixar movie, WALL-E, that came out 11 years ago, which is shocking. Uh, and it offered an image of how bad this could actually get. In the movie, they show humans living on spaceships run by a corporate giant called By and Large, and the people were reduced to pure consumers. So let's actually check this out. A is for Axiom, your home sweet home. B is for by and large, your very best friend. Time for lunch in a cup. Feel beautiful. 
Ascension Axiom Shoppers. Try blue. It's the new red. Ooh. It's almost a little disturbing, isn't it? These people are floating around. They're staring at screens. They're responding to whatever advertisement is shouting the loudest at them. Is this what it means to be human? Does this look like a society of image bearers? I can tell you one thing, it it really doesn't look all that foreign from where we're at currently. You see, our world is in the dehumanizing business. It peppers us with judgment. It instills fear in us. And it lies to us and tells us that we are only meant to consume. But Jesus came to humanize us, to refresh, to restore, to clarify the image of God in us and to release us once again to bear God's image throughout the world. Jesus came reminding us that we were called to form, to make, to multiply, to create, to arrange, to be stewards. God has given us plenty of raw material to work with, and we've been called to steward these things well. There's not often a clear roadmap on how to do that, but God has already entrusted us with the materials necessary to create. So, a pastor outside of Atlanta, Georgia, Andy Stanley. He says, leadership is stewardship. It's temporary, and you're accountable. And really this morning, I think it's fair to say that all of life is stewardship. Again, we're called to do, to make, to create something with our lives in order that we might reflect our creator. Okay, this morning, this has all been pretty abstract so far. And so, so let's really ask the question, what does it look like to live into the fullness of being made to make? Well, to some extent, you are likely already doing some of this. It's kind of hardwired into us. Maybe it is art. Perhaps you, unlike me, have the gift of creating beautiful works with a brush, with a camera, with a substance like clay, or, or maybe even an instrument. You probably saw the artwork out in the plaza that's up for this series, and what moving and challenging expressions of creativity those are. When we create things like this, we reflect part of God's character. We bear God's image for the world to see. But this takes shape in other ways as well. Over the last year, my wife and I have have been creating a community with our life group. We've been intentionally creating space in our home for relationships to form. We've been creating space where people can be honest and vulnerable and real, where they can share anxiety and where they can be encouraged. Or one friend of mine is incredibly gifted and takes great pride in creating food to share with people. She's regularly surprising people in her life with delicious creations from her kitchen and is instilling people with joy. And she's sharing this gift with the people who have also been involved in the Alpha Course, which is really just one more reason for you to join us in Cafe 225 on Wednesday nights throughout the fall. We not only have fantastic conversations about life, faith, and meaning, but delicious creations from our friend's kitchen. Or how about this? Another friend of mine noticed that more and more of his friends were drifting into a form of isolation as they got older as they had kids, et cetera. And so he started a chapter of a program called F3, which gathers guys together on Saturday morning for free workout in America the Beautiful Park. And in the last year, he has created a community of men who are committed to growing physically, relationally, and spiritually together. So how can you take a step towards being an image bearer in this way, reflecting the creative nature of God in your own life? Well, first, you need to acknowledge and take stock of what the raw materials are in your life, what God has set before you. 
How has God gifted you? What opportunities are there? And part of this is going to the Lord in prayer and just asking him to awaken you to his purposes. In our passage today, Jeremiah was told, go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So where do you most often hear from the Lord? Where does the Lord speak the most clearly in your life? Go down to that place and invite God to make you aware of the materials that he has entrusted you with. Next, where is there a need? Where do you see something lacking in the world around you? Where might you add value to our city or to the people in your life? And then finally, what gives you joy? I mentioned that my friend loves to bake and she uses this as a way to inspire joy. What do you enjoy doing? How can you turn that into something that blesses others? Author Frederick Buechner wrote that the place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So what makes you glad? Where is there a need for beauty or for new creation in your midst? How has God equipped you to respond to those things? And imagine what it would be like if we were a community who truly lived into this mandate to create. I mean, how fun would that be? One of the cool things about First Pres is that we're, we're actually really not that bad at that. We're actually pretty good at that. Our, our artist community comes together to create art around a theme during different seasons of the year. Many of you remember the Prodigal Son series from a few years ago or the Lenten series on the cross, and you were able to head down towards the sanctuary to the gallery, and you were inspired and moved by the works that were hanging on our walls. Or again, there's powerful images throughout our building right now which align with this current series. And this is what it looks like when a community of creators, of makers, come together around a common vision. But there have also been a number of nonprofits and other ministry expressions born out of this church. There have been communal responses to needs that are in our city and creative expressions of how to address those. Hope and Home is one of these expressions, and we're actually going to take a moment now to hear a bit about their story. Hi, I'm Ross Wright. I'm the executive director here at Hope and Home. And when I first joined Hope and Home, I think we had 12 kids. And today we have uh, 215 kids. We're now the largest child placement agency in the state of Colorado. And we're getting national attention because of our model. Our model is completely different from anywhere else. And it's simply stated, it's a missional model. What George and Carolyn started was a missional form of foster care. We are the Cresswells when uh, a seven-year-old came to me saying that uh, she knew she couldn't have a real family, but that if she could go to church, she could be a part of the family of God. I began talking about this in uh, Pathfinders and discovered that they were a wonderful resource. I had incredible people coming forth to be the initial board members of the new organization that we were trying to pull together. It took about a year, but that's how Hope and Home was born. Our motto was bringing light to a child's life. We bring, in our minds, the light of Christ to their life, but bringing, shedding light on what was happening in our city and who these children are and how they were being treated, which was unacceptable. In my mind, it began at our kitchen table, and I had my friend Barbara Ingersoll there, and he came home just heartbroken. She said, how was your morning? And he was in tears over the plight of this one little girl. 
And Barbara just looked at him in shock and said, there are children like this in our city. And she was unaware, as were most people. And she said, we, we can't tolerate it. We're going we're gonna to do something. What can we do? This organization is working with over 200 children in our city. I don't know if you caught it, but there's actually other organizations around the country that have noticed that. They've noticed what they're doing, and they're actually contacting them to learn from them. And so this group is inspiring those working with children throughout the nation. And it all started at a kitchen table with some people from our community who were inspired to create something. And so as the band comes back out to lead us, hear, hear this. You were created to bear the image of the Creator. You were made to fill the earth, to multiply, to create culture, to arrange, to invent, to inspire, and to express beauty in new ways. Remember that God has made us ambassadors for his reconciling purpose, and part of that is bearing the image of the one who reconciles people to himself. That is the one who creates. And remember that Jesus has clarified and renewed God's image in us. And we now have the opportunity to proclaim that glory and goodness through what we do, through what we say, through what we build, initiate, and through what we make. Let's pray together. Lord, our God, you are good. It is you who have made us. And Lord, we ask that as as we continue to wrestle with what it means to be human, Lord, that we would recognize that part of that is to reflect you to your world, to reflect your creative nature, your creative character, God. Lord, again, you are good, and we give you thanks and praise for this time today. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.